sorry for those of you that wish I'd leave my mask on this morning and cover up part of my face, but uh, you'll just have to deal with it for the next little bit. Welcome. Welcome to, to those who are listening on the phone, and uh, we trust that today will be a day of, of uh, worship and uh, honor to God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, again today, we thank you that you are God. We thank you that you make no mistakes. We thank you that you are still in control. And we thank you that nothing takes you by surprise. We thank you that we can put our trust and our confidence in you. And we pray that today you will help us to lean on you, to rely on you for everything that we need. Bless us as we're together. Help us to learn from you today as we go through this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read from Colossians 3, a good part of that um, chapter this morning. And then I will give you a title or titles and uh, proceed from there. Colossians 3, starting at verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you, you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. For there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, Meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if any has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And we'll stop reading there. What I have at the top of my paper are two opposites I guess old and new off and on 
And unfortunately, it's going to be sort of lopsided this morning. It's going to be mostly old and off. This chapter starts off with our position with Christ or with God through Christ. We've been raised with Christ. We are to seek those things above. Set your mind on those things because you died. You put off the old. We do pretty good at requiring accountability for the things mentioned in verse 5. And I guess probably that's one of the reasons my mind went this way. I realized that almost a month ago was time for accountability cards to go out, and uh, I didn't do it. I was going to do it this morning, and I didn't have enough, so I'll try to get those in for next Sunday. So uh, you have a forewarning that uh, accountability is coming up. We do pretty good at requiring accountability for what we read in verse um, five, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires. We do pretty good with those. I'm not sure we do very good with the last one, the covetousness, which is greedy, acquisitive, grasping, um, Having or showing a strong desire for especially material possessions. It implies inordinate desire often for another's possessions. Now, we would say we probably don't have that. But if we do, we would sort of brush it aside and say, well, that's not too bad. I mean, it comes down pretty strong on it in my Bible. It calls it idolatry. But what about verse 8? You know, our accountability cards, and I have no problems with our accountability cards because I think it's valuable, I think it's important, I think we need to do it. But what about what we read in verse 8? I'm going to read what verses 8 and 9 say from the Amplified. It says, but now put away and rid yourselves completely of all these things. Anger, rage, bad feeling towards others, curses and slander and foul mouth and foul mouthed abuse and shameful utterances from your lips. Do not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old, unregenerate self with its evil practices. That's talking about things that we sort of shove in the background. We don't put a lot of, of uh, importance on. Um, don't hear too much about it. So what about anger? And I don't do real well at word studies, but I did go through some of these words. And like I said, I've basically gone through the putting off, the old. Uh, I don't know if that means you're going to get one for the new side before long or not yet, but uh, this morning will be more the negative, the off part of it. Anger, um, violent passion, ire, 
abhorrence. And in parentheses it says justifiable abhorrence. By implication, implication punishment, indignation, vengeance. A strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. Another place it says this, if you're mad about something and you're not going to take it anymore, you're feeling anger. A strong emotion you experience when you think someone has done you wrong. See, that's justifiable, so we don't think that's too bad. Anger is a powerful emotion that people feel from time to time when someone or something frustrates or annoys them. A strong feeling of being upset or annoyed because of something wrong or bad. The feeling that makes someone want to hurt other people, to shout, and so forth. I sort I underlined that part of it in my notes. Because um, I get angry at John, I wouldn't go up and hit him with my fist. I wouldn't reach out and strike him. I wouldn't stick my foot out and trip him. But I might shout. And that's justified. I'm okay. We wouldn't strike, hit, trip, or do those other things to inflict physical harm, but we can inflict great physical harm by what we say when we get angry. I've been there to my shame. If I give someone a piece of my mind, I better go and get it back because I don't have any to spare. You know what? You don't either have any to spare. How about wrath? After I went through some of these things, I uh, wrote down here somewhere, wrath is anger on steroids. I don't know if that's quite right or not, but that's what came to my mind. Wrath is passion as if breathing hard, fierceness, Extreme anger. Now this that was in parentheses in that definition sort of shocked me. Chiefly used for humorous or rhetorical effect. Think about that one a little bit. Strong, vengeful anger or in indignation. And some of these words I'm using, you know I'm not writing them because I don't use these kind of words. Uh, retubatory punishment for an offense or a crime. We say we wouldn't go there, right? Maybe we would think some of those things. Next one is wrath. Uncontrolled feelings of anger, rage, and even hatred. It often reveals itself in the wish to seek vengeance. 
Uh, we wouldn't go out and get somebody back, but we would. Well, you know, you see that vehicle cut you off, and you see that vehicle speeding down the inter interstate. Uh, you know, you just hope that there's a policeman sitting up there around the corner. Now, that's probably a mild form, okay? Because I wasn't thinking it about somebody here. Wrath can be defined as uncontrolled feelings of anger, rage, and even hatred. Wrath, I read that, didn't I? In this next statement, I thought didn't quite fit because in talking about wrath, it says in its purest form. And I'm not sure there's any pure form about wrath except for God's using it. In its purest form, wrath presents with injury, violence, and hate that may provoke feuds that can go on for centuries. You know, we could think back of some things that uh, have carried on from generation to generation because of something that happened back there that I don't even know about. Might be in our midst as well. You know, your family or my family might carry a grudge because of something back, I can't think about anything because my parents weren't very good at, uh, at talking about people. And I'm glad about that. Came across something that said the difference between anger and wrath is that anger is a strong feeling of displeasure, hostility, or antagonism toward someone or something, usually combined with the urge to do harm, while wrath is great anger. And that's where I put down here, wrath is anger on steroids. It's hyped up. How about malice? Strong's just said it's badness. Depravity. Trouble. The intention or desire to do evil, ill will. The desire to inflict injury, harm, or suffering on another either because of a hostile impulse or out of deep-seated meanness. I opened my notes up and jotted two names down here when Josiah was having the opening. I wrote down Saul and David. To me, that's a pretty good illustration of malice. Saul was out to inflict injury, harm, suffering because of a hostile impulse or out of deep-seated meanness. I think that's a pretty good description of Saul in his pursuit of David. Blasphemy. This gets more towards God. Great disrespect shown to God or to something holy. Something said or done that is disrespectful to God. How about filthy communication? Vile communication. Those things that have a slant in them. 
came across two definitions here. Filthy communication can take on numerous forms, the most common being profanity and cursing. The second one, it can take, take the form of malicious speech like lies, bearing false witness, and slander. Why is it that we sometimes carry out the things in this list and think it's okay to just move on with life like nothing ever happened? You know, I can blow up at Glenn because I'm angry at him. And tomorrow I'll meet up with him just going like nothing happened. If I lash out in anger at someone, I have a responsibility. I have an obligation to go back and apologize to Glenn, to ask for his forgiveness. You know what? You do too. As I read the Bible, I don't see any room for just blowing up and giving somebody a piece of my mind and, and then the next day just treating it like nothing happened. I have an obligation to go back to that individual. I heard a testimony from someone. This was not a Mennonite. And he says this, At 13, I gave my heart to Jesus. Till then, I was blind and crippled by sin and didn't know it. I was a preacher's child. I learned how to play church and how to be something that I really wasn't. I had a lot of head knowledge about Jesus Christ, but I didn't know him within my heart. He finishes up and he says, I am so glad that I can stand here and say that Jesus has touched my life. Sometimes wonder if we can sometimes pretty easily fall into that kind of a situation. Where we grew up doing church and somehow we can just roll right into that situation. I wonder if sometimes we get pretty good at playing church, appearing to be something that we really aren't. have something here that somebody else wrote. I'll try to read it here. There's an account we read about the Pharisees in the Bible, back Bible days, back when Jesus... Let me start over again. There's an account we read about the Pharisees in the Bible days way back when, how they criticized the Lord Jesus Christ for eating with sinful men. Jesus turned to say, love is the only way, so let your actions speak louder than your words. Though the years have passed, this truth will last, a lesson that we all could learn. You might ought to say all should learn. What did you do today to give your love away to a lost and hurting world? Did you lend a hand to a fellow man? And help him on down the road. When you illuminate, it takes the dark away. So let your little light shine. 
When we follow through with what we say and do, the Father will be glorified. You know your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Your behavior toward your neighbor is really how you feel about the Savior. When you exemplify and shine the light of Christ, you know the number in the kingdom will be multiplied. Yes, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Do those things that Christ would, be, would do Do those things that Christ would do. Be loving, kind, and caring. Preach the gospel to all men. Use words when necessary. Does my walk that speaks louder than my talk send the message that my talk sends? Think about it. I want to read from Ephesians 4, part of that chapter. First three verses and then drop down to verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 11, and he, gave himself, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, Joined and knit together by that, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, Concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, 
putting away lying. Speak each one of you, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. I should have mentioned... When I skipped over those couple of verses up at the beginning, um, it wasn't because I didn't think they were important. Those are the verses that talks about the, the oneness in the body of Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all and so forth, um, an important part of being a child of God. But the focus wasn't there this morning, so I, I left those off. The list in verse 31 has a word at least that is not in the Colossians 3 scripture, talks about bitterness, anger, and disappointment at being treated unfairly, resentment. But see, we're okay with that because it was justified. I was treated wrong. It still doesn't make it right. We are told to put bitterness away. What is a better person like? And this is not original with me. A bitter person might spew their inner hurt and anger by saying and doing things that hurt the feelings of others, exhibiting ruthless, verbal, and emotional cruelty. In other words, I was hurt, so I'm justified in hurting you. And unfortunately, I've seen it in Mennonites. Somehow it makes the bitter individual feel better for a minute to see someone else suffer as they perceive themselves to be unfairly suffering. Scripture tells us to put that off. That's part of the old. Clamor. A loud and confused noise, especially that of people shouting vehemently. Make a loud demand. Clamor is often used specifically to describe a noisy outcry from a group of people, but more generally the word means any loud, harsh sound. Old and new. I'm not going to go into the, the new and the putting on that much, but you don't just put off. You've got to put on the new. 
could find scriptures about the house that was swept and nothing put back in it, and it ended up worse than it was before. Came across the song, talks about making or being changed. When Paul met the Lord on Damascus Road, he never was the same again. When Peter met the Lord, he left his boat and started fishing for men. One thing I can truly say, when I met the Lord and made him my choice, he definitely made a change. He made a change in the way that I'm walking. He made a change in the way that I'm talking. Old things pass away. Behold, everything's new. He made a change in the life that I'm living. I'm born again, set free, finally forgiven. If he can make a change in me, he can make a change in you. The second verse goes, Well, I've seen some old friends shaking their heads because they never thought they'd see the day when a sinner like me would praise the Lord or bow my head to pray. Well, I'm not what I used to be. You see, my life has been rearranged. There's nothing that I've done, but I have found someone who definitely made a change. Have you put off the old? Yes, the things in verse 5. But this morning, more specifically, the things in verse 8. Things that maybe get brushed off as a little insignificant. God wants us to be done with the old and in with the new. Put off the things of the old man. Put on the things of Christ. God help us today and in life to live for him with all our heart.